Hey, this is Daryl Strawberry, and you listen to The Daniel Baldwin Show. This is Anthony Munoz, and you're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN. Hi, this is Bruce Smith, and you're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, and you're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show here on ESPN. Jim Kelly, you're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio. This is Chris Berman, a.k.a. The Swami. I am predicting that you are listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Dean Kane. You're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio, and so am I. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. What's up, Mole? That was weak. That was weak? Yeah, it was more of the raspy. There's a, I'm making a transition. He's coming out of a long weekend, dog. He's got to wheeze back into it. I mean, <laughs> he's got to wheeze <laughs> it. How was your weekend, bro? How was your weekend? What's a weekend? It was good. I work. Work wow. all weekend. Talk about dead wood to lead with. What do you mean? What I you got, got a game to work. I don't have weekends. What do you got, Josh? Josh? It's fine. It was Danny did some Christmas lights. Yeah? I did those. I was here Friday. Well, we did the show Friday. And then you I... did the show Friday? Mm-hmm. Came back in after Turkey Day? Yeah, we don't get Fridays off. Wow. Why did we take Friday off then? Lazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh... How was uh, Greek Peak? I saw you sledding. The girls were sledding up there. I was, I was, I was tubing. And uh, I wanted to go boarding, but, um, you know, they were making snow and it was like that kind of tweener weather mm-hmm. and you don't want to board in the ice, you know? So I was like, once it rained, I said, I'll go tubing. But I'll tell you what, I went down the thing. It doesn't look very steep. Julie. And I watched my kids go down first and I got in there and instantaneously it turned itself around and I was going backwards. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> there was at one point when I got to top speed, I thought, you know what, if I hit something right now, I'm dead. How hilarious, not really hilarious, but how hilarious would it be that after all the lives you've lived that you go out on a sled, like Daniel Baldwin Bono. dead yeah. on a snow tube. Pound your head and break your leg and I'm lying down yeah, there. Yeah, right, right. You know, the new, the new Christopher Reeve, mm. terrible. Would have been terrible. I wouldn't have liked it at all. So I do have some business to take care of, Mo. Uh, these are my receipts from the New York trip. Okay. Along with my requisition sheet. I don't know why you're showing them to me. But... Well, I was told uh, that I needed a signature from my supervisor. Uh, and since I took the trip with you and it was okayed by you, my signature is on that sheet for the receipts. For I didn't charge for gas on the way back or for the dogs, uh, but I did charge for one-way gas. Tolls, tolls fine. Tolls, tolls are fine. And parking at the hotel. No, that's all good. Yeah, I can, yeah. I'll sign this. Oh, he's going to authorize it. Right it. Look at that. I'm not signing for your dogs. Damn, I was going to throw the dogs in there. They were like 61 bucks a day for four days. Uh, Mr. Baldwin, what is this $3,000 at something called Scores? Yeah. I don't recognize. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to entertain clients. Sign. Right. Sign. Look at that. Sign. Look at that. Wow, that's strong. 298 bucks goes right on the 75 tab. bucks a night to park at that hotel. It's outrageous. It's no joke, man. It's no joke. More than my rent. That <laughs> really is. You weird. do the math. <laughs> Are yeah, you kidding me? What is that's seven fifty. Yeah, that's seven fifty every ten days. So seventy five. Yeah. Oh yeah, fifteen hundred. Uh, twenty two fifty. Twenty two fifty. Yeah, that's way more than my rent. <laughs> way. Wait, what's your rent? Four hundred bucks, probably. <laughs> like five. Yeah, huh? he's been in the same place. He's got rent control where he's at. He's been in the same place forever. You get a, a is it one bedroom? Two. Two bedroom for five hundred bucks a month. I know the landlord. <laughs> I've had, and it he's for, lived there for fourteen years. Yeah, five hundred bucks a month. That's amazing. Yeah, that's when a- when you know the landlord and you're never late with your rent and you pay like six months in advance, they tend to yeah, like what you. What else are you doing over they there? They tend to do- like you. Yeah, yeah, that. 
Bet you they like you. Speaking of that, Dwight Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for show in the, what? That's in the, a, no, 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 no. You go Let's, right into it. That's fine. So so what I did. I don't know if we want to bother Eton Thomas with a transsexual story. No, we're not going to bother him. We're going to bring in segment four of today's show. We're going to bring in Nikki Caps. Ooh, to Nikki do, Kneecaps. To yeah. do, we're going to bring in Nikki Kneecaps to do a, we got to name this segment now, you know, ca- ca- cap, Caps Captions or, you know, something. <laughs> Captions. Yeah, I like something, that. Something. We got to come up with something. Where we're going to bring in Nikki from time to time when there's a poignant story that's a little controversial like this one, and have him report in what he's learned in the amount of time that he's had to do it. How about bust and caps? Ooh, <laughs> bust a cap. Bust a cap. Yeah, I like it. Fine with it. Yeah, it's weak. But anyway, oh. um, we got a so what coming in segment two, and uh, Etan is going to join us. Does he prefer Etan? Etan. Etan. You know, I found I... the story about it. What's his real name? Ooh. I don't know. They called him Derek for a while because of his real first name. Uh, and then, uh, and also because he followed DC. And so people thought he kind of resembled his his game a little bit s- somewhat. Uh, but his name is like Dietrich. Yeah. Wow. Who knew? His name is Dietrich and his middle name is Etan. And at home they called him Etan. Uh, and so he decided just to bring that in. I guess he liked Eton better than Dietrich. Um, and but but a lot of people for years thought his name was Derek, and so they were calling him Derek. Uh, that fun fact was uh, made to my attention this morning in doing my extensive research that I do every day before I come on the air. The Levitard people. Once again, we beat Colin Coward no matter what he does tonight because he's 0 for 4 going into tonight. So, And we won two. So he, the best he can do is 1 and 4. So, of course, I send the flag up to Allison at the Levitard show that Alec has won. And this is what she writes back to me. She writes back to me. This woman, she, she has the nerve to go in there and say that I'm driving her crazy. Um, she says that, oh, well, we'll see how you do against Donnie, meaning Donnie Wahlberg, tonight. Uh, and if you beat him, and I wrote back, well, what does Donnie Wahlberg have to do with what we do against Colin Coward? Oh, no, it was fully understood that you now need to beat Colin Coward and Donnie Wahlberg. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? That was never said. You guys just added the Wahlbergs in, and we crushed Mark. We tied Donnie, and I don't really care what he does. We beat Colin. So they're tra- and, I, and finally, I just said to him, you know what? This is becoming so laborious to be to do this. Do you want to just end it and we won't even say anything? We'll just leave it alone because I, I don't want to do this, you know, and ha- and have to like I'm uh, I'm lobbying to get back on their is, show. Is anybody having fun with this anymore? Well, that's that, that's a, the point that I'm trying to make is that I thought the gag was he was going to get on, we were going to jab at each other, we were going to have fun with it. Then it became politically personal and about my family, and then he's boycotting and and in their mind. This is this cutting edge radio that they think they're doing there, and blah blah blah. So I don't know. I I, I really don't. It is tedious, and it stresses the hell out of everybody involved. Why don't we? Well, I just I just thought. Well, we'll, we'll discuss that in, in in a meeting after the show. How we should break ties and how we should do that. Because um, I think I know the answer to that. When we go to break, I'll uh, I'll let, I'll fill you in mm-hmm. on on the most perfect way to do that. What was Thanksgiving like with you and your family, Josh? It was delightful. We do a double Thanksgiving. So we do my family at uh, my parents at noon, and then we do my wife's family at two. So it's an all-day extravaganza. Wow, and you're just pounding. It's a gravy extravaganza all day long. Only two hours? Can there be anything better than gravy? No, it's the best. I can put it on anything. No. 
I could dip chips in it. Oh, I love it. Doesn't matter. Your family allows you to leave after that short of time. My family is the best. My, my wife's family is the opposite. My wife's family will make a whole day out of something. My family is you get in, here's your meal, get out of here. We don't have time for each other. We want to we go on with our lives. Yeah, yeah, let's move it. Oh, I love it. It's the best. Oh, see, that's awesome. Hello, how do you do? Here's the yeah, parade. Can, Good. Have some more dirt. Right, you can get away with that at my, at my sister Beth, who usually, she's the matriarch, so she has the big thing. But I got to tell you, everybody brings something, and Beth makes 10. I mean, literally, there are two tables this size that are filled with tins of food. I mean, there's seven vegetables, three stuffings, two giant turkeys, a ham. You can't possibly consume. So one of the most tedious things about it, and she's really good, Beth, at cleaning up while she's going, while she's moving, um, but is, is packaging everything so that you take, you take stuff home. And there's the traditional family members that usually glom like half the stuff and take it. And then there's people like me who go, no, I don't want anything in my refrigerator, I'll, I'll, you know, because this is my day to blow it out. But we went to, uh, I got to tell you, I never thought I would come on the air and tell you this. We went to Cascade to Greek Peak to the water park with the kids. I said, I'm not cooking. I'm not choosing between family members. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to. I'm going to do something quiet and fun with my kids and with Robin. The buffet dinner they had there was probably the best buffet dinner. Well, it was absolutely the best buffet dinner I've ever had in my life. And it was one of the four best overall turkey meals I've ever had in my life. It was They do a great job there. Oh my god, it was so good. You could cut the turkey with a, a thick cut of turkey with your fork. It just broke apart. It was so good. We love it there. We love eating there. We love going and staying with the kids and doing the water park and doing the sled and stuff. It was killer. And and so the kids were with their mom the week before and I got to, you know, it was really nice because I got to rediscover and and I think when you're in a relationship, I don't know, you, of course, only have your dog, um, but Josh has a wife, and, and so I'll, I'll throw this more towards Josh. We, I got to really rediscover exactly why Robin and I are together. When Robin and I are alone and we spend time together with each other, it is absolutely the greatest experience. We just laugh, mm-hmm. we do stuff. It doesn't matter what we do. If we stop off and go shopping at Wegmans, it's funny, it's fun, it's yeah. light, yeah. and there's you know lessons to be learned in life and, and, and the exchanges together. I really, I, I so love this woman. Uh, and then when you throw in the outside world or the kids or whatever else, then it just becomes all screwy. But, yeah, it absolutely but, does. But you get to go on these little breaks together and remind and, and reminds us of why we're together. Yeah. Why why, why it all? No, I'm doing know, the same thing out. this Saturday with my wife. I'm going to a uh, date night. I uh, put up my Christmas lights by myself with gangster rap playing oh, and nice. crying. What are you doing for Christmas this year? Go to my aunt's. Like I always do. You go to your aunt's. Where's your aunt at? Uh, Liverpool. Oh, see, I might drive down to Alex. All right, I'm in. <laughs> He's all for it. The best gonna... part about working in sports uh, on holidays is you can make up stories to get away from the family. I, I shouldn't got... say this on the air. I'd be like, oh, I got to make sure that Cowboys game oh gets on. They got to get out of here, yeah. 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 Four o'clock. Got to make sure the Lions game's on at noon. Got to go. I saw I saw this uh, um, this kid, Joe Girard, who they signed for Syracuse, the 50-point-a-game basketball player. Evidently, he's a stud in football, too, and so he's playing for the state title, and so you see McNamara and Bayheim were for sure at the game. I love that. I love making sure you were there. You just got to, they got to make sure he doesn't get hurt, too. You're just like, okay, let's I get through football season. Let's just get this over with. I wondered about that. I wonder if there's, no go, God, don't blow your knee out, you know. Because the kid evidently was all over the field, too, uh, and they won. They came back, they were down 14 zip, and they came back and they won. But it's one of those, did he have to go? Did he have to go to that game? He had to go to that game, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, he had to. Straight in his backyard. He had to go. 
was in the dome. Mm. I like it. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back with the famous Tom. Tom from Washington. Tom from Washington's calling. Will join us next. <laughs> this is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey now, we got Tom on the phone. Yeah, Tom from Washington is on the phone. <laughs> Tom from Washington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Tom so is classy. on the phone. I'm surprised he even calls back after that introduction last week. <laughs> Eton Thomas on the phone. <clears throat> Eton, what's happening, brother? How you doing? Blessed by the Lord every day, my friend. Definitely, me too. Me too. Um, we're gonna go right into so what, and then we got a couple of things for you to think about. Okay. That we'll tease the audience a little bit for segment three when we talk about the WNBA and the Jersey fines that were uh, levied and now have been um, uh, taken back, uh, and and what that fight was all about, why the girls decided that they wanted to make a statement about violence in this country, and of course, SU Ohio State on Wednesday. Uh, but first, Karak Josh. I'm so excited. It's time for... I, um, I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control, and I just can't... Um... So what? It's unlistenable radio. You understand the me? Daniel Baldwin Show. So what is brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus. All the games, delicious food on their big screen televisions. Voted best sports bar by the Syracuse New Times reader. Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus. Things got ugly in Buffalo yesterday as not only did the fans of the Bills remind former SU head coach Doug Marone that he, quote, sucks over and over again, but a bad touchdown call ignited a brawl between the Jags and the Bills that spilled into the locker room tunnel. You know, I, the only thing I can say uh, that really threw me off was to have seen their star running back come off the bench. Now, listen, you're told at your level, I mean, I have never played anywhere near what you played in, Itan, but you can't come off that bench and run out in the court and do the Kermit Washington, Rudy Tomjanovich stuff. You know, you just can't do it. And, and, and when you're going into the fourth quarter in a tight game, you know, uh, particularly for their team, there's playoff implications still, uh, and and uh, I, I saw that as an incredible, incredible mistake on his part. Is he going to get fined by the team for that, along with the league? I'm, I'm sure he will. I mean, but but also there's a flip side. So remember when um, the the Lakers got into it with um, Houston, and so you saw LeBron um, kind of. Not coddle, but put his arm around his his, his good buddy uh, CP3 uh, Chris Paul, mm-hmm. and he was also criticized for for not sticking up for his teammates. And it's interesting in that dynamic because even even, even at a professional level, at a high school level, AAU level, Pop Warner teammates stick up for each other. So when you think that your teammate is in trouble or somebody's about to jump on them, it's like your first instinct at every level is to go and take up for him. Not excusing what he did because you can't leave the bench because it's against the rules, but the team mentality of sticking up for your for your teammate that is just something that carries on and you know it's just interesting because you hear the different discussion when it when a player doesn't do that like when the lebron didn't quite do that well i'm the first one you know i, I 
Agreed. I'm the first one. If we're walking out of a bar, if we're come, you know, if, if I'm with you down at, at at an SU game and someone starts mouthing off, I might not even wait for him to swing. If he says enough, I might just pop him anyway. But <laughs> when you're in a full uniform with a helmet on and blah, blah blah, and you know it's not gonna, we're not talking about hockey fights that usually happen either. You know, where people yeah. are getting bloodied. It, you know, it was it was all in all. When I look at this particular situation, it was a stupid move. It really was, I, and it might have cost them the game. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at the bigger the bigger scheme of everything and how it costs in the game, what's going to happen to him with the fines? It's never worth it. But but just when you're in the middle of it and the thought that you're having your teammates back, that's something that that right. always just kind of pops up. Right, Paulie, what do you got? I'm a I'm a five foot six hundred and forty five pound guy. I don't know anything about fighting. That's a big, I, I hide in the corner trying to avoid him <laughs> as much as possible. I am not coming off the bench for any of you, you guys. You get behind Daniel and Etan and you let right. them handle it. Yeah. That's kind of a generous description too, I might add. <laughs> I'm a midget. I ain't fighting anybody. The uh, uh, Texas A&M and, uh, sorry, I just closed my story. LSU and Texas A&M had a marathon game, finishing 74-72 to with seven overtimes. It is now the highest scoring game in college football history. I love it. Yeah, that's great. I love that. (laughs) How long did the game go on for, do you know? What was the total time? Eight hours? (laughs) Six hours? It's like a six-hour game, wasn't it? Uh, it went for, I don't have the time, but it went for a long time. I like going into extra, it's, there has to be a winner. I like, you know, there's something, you know, my son plays soccer, right? And they have this thing where if the score is tied, they do these penalty kicks. And I'm like, this, that's terrible. Why don't y'all just play overtime to somebody scores or something? I don't mind going into extra innings or extra, you know, games or anything, whatever, you got to keep going. Somebody has to win, and you win the way you have to beat them on the field or the court. Okay, okay. Four hours, 53 minutes. Okay, but hey, think- keep going until somebody wins. <laughs> right. all right, all right, all right, but, but think about something. Think about something. Think about what if, what if you... Now, this is far-fetched and it's never going to happen, but what if you turn around and you just put your only your two kickers with a ball and a tee, and the one guy starts at the 20 and hits it, the next guy can go to the 30, to the 40, to, as far back as he wants, and the other guy's got to beat the kick, and you just have him standing there all alone, no I, Honestly, I think that's an awful idea. Oh, <laughs> my God. Do. That's I like agree. what in basketball that you settle the overtime yeah, into a free throw contest. Yeah. Yeah, that no, would be the, terrible. No, man, let him shoot like, the, the, like trick shots and play oh, horse. Let him play horse. No, let him get out there and play. You got to uh, keep playing. All right, I guess you got to keep playing. I was trying to turn it into more than it was. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Mickelson beat Tiger Woods in the match for $9 million. Oh. You know now, what? a couple different things happened that I can give you, too. I guess that they charged nineteen ninety nine to watch this thing, but it was they also did. available to stream for free. So pay-per-view had to refund all the nineteen ninety nine people who purchased oh. it. It, it was a flop by a lot of levels. People were very upset with it. Did they make side bets? Like that was the only reason I would have watched. Mickelson, was, I Mickelson, see them six hundred grand. Yeah, six hundred grand in side bets. But when you're when you're going to win, then that only hurts somebody that's going to uh, lose the nine million and the six hundred grand. And I think Mickelson lost most of those bets uh, uh, to Tiger. Um, you know, they th- there was a couple things about it that that. Uh, that were interesting to me. Um, number one, they they sold this as you were going to be up and close, and you were going to get to know these guys better, and you were going to, you know, that it was going to be this kind of, um, you know, you're you're really going to get to know Tiger and Phil, and they're gonna and they're gonna do all this nonsense, um, and and none of that occurred, none of it. You, it was it was totally a made for TV, you know. It didn't get interesting until the end, but 
had you checked my tweets and checked my quatrains, you would have you would have read this. Place your bets, all you hoods. It's filled the thrill versus woods. The action here could be hefty. Five million doubloons go on lefty. Well, so, look at you. So I already knew <laughs> that Phil was going to beat him. Um, the, the hype about Tiger uh, and how well he's been playing, way different when you play a match play. And he's not a great match play player. The only thing that I didn't like is I've looked back at it and watched them. They need, you need a crowd there. You need people cheering. Like it should be, it should be like uh, uh, Happy Gilmore. Like it should be like people Happy screaming in your. It should be people screaming and yelling because it was just them on a golf course. And well, it and the sucked. other thing that would have made it great would have been if they had like a like a, like a barker, like you know, like when when they when you used to watch the jousting events and you had the guy going and now taking the shot, you know, like somebody yeah. who jazzed it up, maybe took some action and bet the guys in the crowd and made it more of a Ringling Brothers fun kind of thing. But no, it was boring as hell. But but with all pay per view, I mean, you could get it streamed like minutes after it's over, like any kind of pay per view, whether you're talking about wrestling or boxing or you know MMA, whatever. I mean, I I, I can't believe pay per view still is able to get people to be able to to. You know, spend all that money when they could just live stream it pretty much instantly. So they lost the nine million though on the the purse, and then they lost all the money that they would have made yeah. on on pay per view. So it had to be a complete bust. It's a total bust. Yeah, yeah, I think they busted out. And finally, forty nine minutes after passing his driver's test, a teenager, eighteen year old, lost his license again. He was caught going a hundred miles an hour oh. in a sixty five. His license was revoked less than an hour away from when he got it. Wow. Who is this? Uh, it was a teenager in Germany who uh, got his license. He got in the car, sped away, went 165, and lost his license I don't again. think I've ever gone over, like, 70 in my life. In your life, you've never gone over 70? Yeah, I'm, like, a 72 on the cruise control and go. Oh, I'm old. Oh, God, no, I've gone very, very fast. I once, I once went to a party. I was doing a TV series with Valerie Bertinelli, and at the time, she was married to Eddie Van Halen. And I go to a party, and I'm all excited. I'm going to meet Eddie Van Halen. You know, the old guy's a legend. So, And he and all Van Halen are there. They've got a, a recording studio, and they, they're just getting plowed. So they cross over and come to the party. Now it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and Eddie's smashed. And he's got a garage with like 20 cars in it, this big, huge thing that lifts the cars up in the air, and you can park another car under it. He's got a Countach in there. So I go... Yo, dude, I bet you that car is amazing, huh? I go, we should go for a spin. He goes, uh, too drunk to drive right now. I go, that's okay, I'll drive it. <laughs> I got him out. I took him out of the 101 in his Countach at like 3 o'clock in the morning right out there. And I'm doing 210. I mean, I'm flying by things, thinking yeah. to myself, you know, if I hit one bump, it's over. No way. Not me. I, oh, first yeah. of all, I can't afford a car that goes over 70 miles an hour. <laughs> Neither can I. The but doors I was, will fall. It was, it, was, it was his car, so I didn't really care. Uh, Man, you was doing the Fast and the Furious over there. I was doing the Fast and Furious. So let's break early so we have a lot of time to talk with Ton about uh, SU against Ohio State coming up Wednesday. I got some very significant worries about this game, Ton. Uh, and uh, and uh, we'll talk about uh, the girls in the WNBA and a statement that they've been trying to make since 2016. Uh, and, and your feelings on that. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey now, and we're back. And we're on live with Ton Thomas. Uh, K-Rock Josh of K-Rock Josh Morning Show fame. And, of course, the impeccable, undeniable, probably the mole, Sibelia. Uh, hey, Ton, so it's back in the news, this whole, uh, you know, I'm kind of lost trying to figure it out because I was listening this morning to ESPN, and I know we've been, uh, you know, kind of 
furthering some of the reports that happen on ESPN as a rule that we do here. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with what's going on with this WNBA thing right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with it. So tell me what's going on. Well, there you're talking about with the with the rescinding of the uh, fines yes. for the the uniforms. Well, I mean, is is this a more of a you know? So so back then, um, back in 2016, they made they made their statements, um, and, and this is what you're referring to, right? Yes. This, this, all right. So back in 2016, they made their statements after Flanna Castile and Alton Sterling back to back murders happened by the police, and they wore um, shirts that said um, Black Lives Matter. Um, uh, Dallas Five, I think, was what it was, and uh, something like that. We are one, and so the WNBA said that they can't do that anymore, or else they'll all be fined. And then what happened after that was the entire WNBA started doing it, and they all banded together and they said we're going to make this statement. And then they did have like a media blackout thing where after the games they would answer like basic questions and then kind of just you know talk about what was going on at the time. Um, dealing with police brutality and things of that nature. So this has kind of come back up. But the thing that makes the WNBA so different than the NBA, than the NFL, than, than you know, all other leagues is that when they do something, they all do it together. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. So, so they, they make a fraction of the money that the NBA players make. All right, so it's not a matter, a matter, a matter of that, but they all do it together, and they're not going to find everybody. And then that's the difference. So... In your days of playing, did you ever have to face one of these social issues that you had to make a choice, uh, anything like this before? Well, I was somebody who used my voice and it was able to speak out on social issues kind of my, from the time that I you know, was in high school, you know, in Syracuse and I was playing with the Wizards. That was kind of just, you know, my interest and always been something that I've always been interested in. Um, but but the, the, the thing about it is there's, there's a history of athletes using their voices. Um, now, of course, some people don't like it. Some people, you know, want to tell them to just not not on, you know, that time or, you know, you know, especially when they disagree with what they're saying. That's usually when people tell you to shut up and play or just stick to your sport when they disagree with you. But the, 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 there's a history of athletes using their voice. I mean, I just I got to tip my hat to the way the WNBA players, you know, are able to collectively do it because that's what's unique about the way that they do. And when you collectively do something, then you'll see fines rescinded. Then you'll see, you know, you know, they acquiesce to what you're what you're doing a little bit better, a little bit easier. So that's the difference. So is there a, a, an equation to be made that would su- suggest? And I'm not saying this is a fact, but to mm-hmm. suggest that because of the financial consideration in the WNBA being far less money, is this why they're willing to band together, or is there a lack of concern collectively in the NBA? <clears throat> or is it just that there's too much money at stake? No, well, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's, it's either of those. You know, I, so, I, so I wrote a book called We Matter, Athletes and Activism, and I was able to interview a lot of different athletes. You know, I mean, Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Carmelo, uh, D. Wade, Eric Reed, all these current athletes that are using their voices and speaking on different issues. Um, a lot of them have to deal with police brutality and what's going on, um, killing unarmed black men, you know what I mean, over and over and not being held accountable for it. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the, the thing about the, the NBA is players speak on it. You know what I mean? They, you don't ha- they don't necessarily have to do something to get the attention of everybody like that Kaepernick had to do to take a knee, and then they spoke about it. But the NFL and the NBA are completely different. You know what I mean? It's, it's like two different leagues and how they welcome activism. 
So I, I interviewed Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, and he's welcoming to it. And, you know, I interviewed Mark Cuban and Steve Kerr. You had coaches speaking out, and they're all, you know, welcoming at Ted Leonsis of the Wizards. But the NFL is a little bit different. So then it, it's, it's just a different – just two different things. It's apples and oranges. Um, that's the way to the welcoming as far as speaking out. But the WNBA – so I, I interviewed Tamika Catchings and Swin Cash. If you remember them, they're retired now. Mm-hmm. But in 2016, they were one of the, the central figures of – of when the WNBA um, made their stand together. And, you know, I asked them, I was like, how did y'all do this? How did y'all all do it together? Because the, everybody has to understand, you know, they had, you know, black players, white players, you know what I mean, um, players from overseas, players that don't even live here, don't even understand what's going on, you know, and they all banded together. So I was like, how did y'all do that? And they were like, well, you know, first of all, women do differently. And they saw their teammate um, hurt by something. Goes back to what we said before. You know, they saw their teammate hurt by something, and they immediately came to their offense, even if it was something that didn't necessarily, um, you know, relate to them. If they weren't in the necessary situation that the, that their teammates were so hurt by, and they all banded together. And that's just something you only see with the WNBA. So that's why I have to tip my hat to them. Well, I've always said, you know, uh, well, this is such a huge Pandora's box. It um, is. It um, is. <laughs> you know, I've, I've always said that the only thing I ever saw uh, in my field, which is um, film and television, that ever impacted me about this subject was a film called Amazing Grace and Chuck. And, okay. and did you ever see it? Yeah, a long time ago. But. A long time ago. But yeah. Alex English uh, of Denver Nuggets fame mm-hmm. and a young boy who was uh, a, an all-star baseball player from Montana is taken with his Cub Scout troop to see a nuclear silo, or in Colorado maybe he was. And uh, he's so taken aback by the um, potential destruction of this nuclear weapon that on the mound about to play in the All-Star game or the championship game, whatever it was, he hands the ball over to his father and says, I can't do it. It's the only form of, of protest I have, and he refuses to play. Um, when Alex English reads the article about this boy and what he does, he decides not to play in the NBA, and he is followed by a series of famous athletes in their different sports who all decide to put pressure on the President of the United States and and uh, the government in order to negotiate with the Russians to um, start to uh, break down our nuclear capabilities. And, and, of course, it ends up working in the film, and it's very interesting. Actors and singers and everyone get involved in this. And I've always said in the Kaepernick issue, you know, when I feel like, although I get it, I defend their First Amendment rights to do what they did. Um, I always felt like lost in the cause was violence again against African American men um, by police departments or or, or in 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 any capacity um, because of the kneeling became a a question of nationalism and patriotism and many other things. And we stopped talking about what really mattered. I said, but if you want to get this this analyst, meaning myself, to pay some attention. When they, after the national anthem is over, the first guy that turns around and says, and they say first team, and he says, I can't play, and forfeits his check. Now there's a statement, a personal statement done that can't offend anybody else but yourself. And I think that if players collectively, can you imagine what would happen if an amazing Grayson Chuck situation occurred? What would happen if four of the five starters on Golden State said they weren't going to play? I mean, now that's way different because I believe that what Kaepernick was trying to do, I believe that what the girls, white, black, or or, or anything different, um, were trying to say in the WNBA is something has to happen in this country. This has to stop. And it's happening. It's still happening today. 
Um, there's another, they're talking about a kid today in the news that was at a mall and the police gunned him down because oh, there, was a re- there was a report. There's Somebody else had the gun. He didn't have it. He had no right. weapon on him at all. Right. So, you know, I mean, well, th- this is not, this is not stopping. Well, well, definitely it's not stopping, but there are different ways and different, different means of activism. So one one way of activism is, is of course to say that you're not playing. Another thing that happened with the 49ers, and I I, I learned this from interviewing Tory Smith, who was a um, the wide receiver for the 49ers when Kaepernick, um, you know, took the knee. But what came after that was that they what what they did and instituted as a team. Um, every away game that they went to, they would they would um, have groups of players go to police departments. Now, every police department handles their policing differently. It's not like federally ran. It's it's you know for the way the the Chicago Police Department handles theirs is different than the NYPD or different than the LAPD. Everybody's different. So they started to to use their influence to talk to the police to have a community, the people from the community, and everybody listens to each other. Then they use their influence to try to push for different laws to be able to be changed. Now that's them using their power, using their position as NFL players to be able to actually make change. You didn't see reported a lot, but that was some of the things that they did. Then they, they had the Players Coalition. They formed that. That also came here to D.C. to lobby for different rules and different laws to be changed with mass incarceration and a different. So, so they were doing a lot of things, but activism doesn't only look one way. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. for Kaepernick, it was taking a knee to get everybody's attention. And it was like almost, it was purposely shifted the conversation as to being about the anthem and the military. Even though he said, this isn't about the anthem or the military, this is to bring awareness to what is going on, and this can't keep going on, and it's while I have everybody's attention. Okay, so you're going to end, we're going to close with you ending an argument for me. Um <clears throat> I go back and I think about Kaepernick, and although he was uh, a quarterback that went to the Super Bowl, um, he certainly wasn't one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league or anything like that, and he's not going to probably go to the Hall of Fame or anything like that, but nevertheless, he was a starter in a Super Bowl before, and I made the analogy. I said, you know, obviously not to the same magnitude, but when Muhammad Ali made the statements that he made about social injustice, when he decided not to adhere to the draft and relinquished his title and sat out for years in his prime, is that not comparable to what Kaepernick did? Oh, no, I definitely think it is, Um, as well as LeBron James being the top in his craft, using his voice right now to do all the things that he's doing. Thank you, That's not what I said. Thank you, Tom. That is not what I said. I said... I said if Colin Kaepernick was going to win football games guaranteed for a team, he'd be on a football field right now. No, that's not what it's for. You said, said, how can you compare Colin Kaepernick and what he did to Muhammad Ali? And I quote, and I said, it's actually very comparable. No, we were talking about why he didn't get a shot with the Redskins. Tom, thank you for agreeing. If he was going to win games for the Redskins, he'd be... The great and learned it, Tom Thomas, has spoken. If he was going to win games for the Redskins... Author of many... Best, oh my God. New York Times bestseller books. I look forward to your next book on why Polly is wrong, Eton. Thank you. If, if, if so Colin Kaepernick was going to win football games for a team, he'd be on a field right now. And Muhammad Ali was not, wasn't going to win fights, right? Oh! Muhammad Ali wasn't. He hey sat now. out himself. It's not compare. You can't compare Colin Kaepernick to Thank Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time. To a guy who... Ladies and gentlemen, the great Aton Thomas. Thank you so much, Aton, <laughs> for being on the show again. We'll talk to you on Monday. We're going to go to break, brother. God bless you. We didn't get to Ohio State. Quickly, quickly, let's just take one second. 
this is a, this is a tough road game, man. I'm a, uh, they're 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 going against a nationally ranked team on the right. road. What you right. what, what, what are you looking for? Well, okay, so this is what I saw against Colgate. Okay, and you please feel to correct me, you know, if I'm wrong. So Colgate started off, they knocked they knocked down shots, you know, and they were moving the ball across the perimeter, right? And they were getting wide open shots, they were knocking them down. And like we said last week, what our what our discussion was, our defense wasn't extending quickly enough to contest their shots. And and gonna gonna close your thought. In the second half, Colgate still got wide open looks we didn't cover. They just, they just didn't them. hit him. Right. Yeah, they just missed them. That's now, exactly the thing what about I saw. It is once they start getting into ACC play and conference play and, you know, playing Ohio State Wednesday, they can knock down those shots. So, I mean, the biggest thing is we have to get our defense straight. I mean, I, there's a lot of bright spots. I like how Dolezal's – Dolezal's? Am I messing up his name? Dolezal. I hate to mess up people's names. Dolezal, yeah. Dolezal. And um, Sibide. Did I say his name right? Sidibe. 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 Dang, I messed up both of them. <laughs> well, Sidibe was a great double-double. And after the big fella went down, you know what I mean, he stepped in, and I like how he plays. Yeah, I might be a little bit big man biased, but I like how he played. But they're going to need um, um, Chuku to be able to come back against Ohio State because they, they have some big seven-footers center. Um, I don't remember his name. I mean, they have people down low, so they're going to need him to come back. But, I mean, they have to, they have to do what they're good at doing. And I think the one thing that we're that we're getting into is trying to beat people shooting jumpers and shooting threes, and that's not necessarily our strength. No, we got to get back to the ball being distributed and letting O'Shea and yeah. uh, Tyus do what they do, which is penetration. And we, they do it great. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very good at doing that. That little pick and roll they run on the side. Yeah, I and mean, they flash. Tyus was first team. Um, you know. All conference or what it was, all American for a reason. It wasn't for his three point shooting. No. It was for his ability to drive and finish and get people in foul trouble. And you know what I mean? That's that's what he does. You got to go to his bread and butter. Yeah, you want to get to the line with those guys. Well, uh, once again, brilliant minds think alike. And thank you so much for straightening us out here about uh, <laughs> about this, this this terrifying. He hasn't. Concept. Although I will. Before we go, I will ask: Do you think if he was going to win games, he'd be playing right now? Well, I think that I think that he could win games Thank right you. now, though. I think he could be a quality could. backup he's for a, a lot of different teams. I think he could be a starter for different teams. When you look That's at right. some of the people that they bring in, and you cannot tell me that they are better quarterbacks than Colin Kaepernick right now. You cannot tell me Jeez, that. I, I know every, for you. everything else aside, Jason you cannot Peterman. tell me that some of the people. I don't even have to go through the list, but you cannot tell me that they're better quarterbacks than Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Eton. The great Eton Thomas closing the argument for us. Eton, we'll talk to you Monday. God bless you, bro. Okay, you too. Bless. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Caller 5 right now, Daniel. You ready for this? Caller 5, what do they get? You get Christmas made easy from the Chocolate Pizza Company. You get a free pizza. We'll hook you up with crunch tickets to a game. You go to chocolatepizza.com. They'll make Christmas easy for you with chocolate pizzas. Have you ever had one? They're yeah, delicious. they're awesome. A chocolate pizza? It's yeah. like a big slab of chocolate with a bunch of stuff in it like uh, M&M's, M&M's and pretzels and, and yeah. however well, you order you know, it. It's funny you should say because speaking of chocolate a new segment on the show that we'll be periodically going to is going to be called Closed Caps with Nikki Kneecaps. Uh, Nikki the story that we have assigned you uh, today <laughs> yeah, is one. about Dwight Howard. Tell us what you got Nikki. What's your understanding of what's going on here with Dwight? Uh, it's a very interesting situation to say the least but what we got is we got this book author, Mason Aliji. I'm not sure how to pronounce Close the last enough, name. Close enough. Good enough. We'll the name it. is the least important part of this show. <laughs> Anyways, what, what was happening here was uh, apparently Dwight Howard was having a relationship with this uh, man, sexual, and uh, 
he basically came out and said that Dwight Howard was harassing him, manipulating him, and threatening him. And this apparently happened because the author did not want to sign a non-disclosure non-disclosure agreement. And uh, don't you get that signed before you do definitely. it? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're definitely. You can't do it post. We're gonna do some stuff now that you cannot yeah. disclose. Yeah. What's that called? An NDA? Not dicking around. Yeah. With yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta do that before penetration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's downloading the paint. He's penetrating. Wow. So, so uh, what's the gist of it? I mean, what, so Dwight supposedly, of course, that's, that's, so this has not been proven. Yeah. But Dwight Howard was having gay sexual relations or bisexual relations. Yeah, it, it came out that um, he's also friends with a girl who hosts uh, transgender sex parties on the regular. Wow. Yeah, we all been there. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's a, it's a Thursday night. It's a Thursday night for Neil. Speak for yourself, young man. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Now, I, I understand that there was a, a potential injury that occurred. Oh, Did you get to that? I didn't get to the injury. Oh, you didn't get well, to the injury? You yeah. had to or you didn't include you. the injury. I didn't yeah. include the in- injury. You had to try to sit out. I understand he stood out. Yeah. He stood out. He was unable to okay. sit. Okay. <laughs> Before we go, Texans versus Titans. There goes Neil. Neil gave him a beard on the Texans instead because he couldn't get it done. He ran time. out of time. Texans, Titans, what's the line of the game, Neil? Oh, oh my God. God. He's writing the game. You bet. What have not... you done for the Wait, past what? hour? What have you been doing, yeah, Neil? What have you been doing out there, Neil? Yeah, what do you do out there more on the air? You the man the phone. You oh man the phone. Nikki got... Kneecaps wrote. I mean, look at the page that Nikki Kneecaps wrote. Look he wrote kneecaps. a whole thing on transgender <laughs> parties and right, stuff. And none, and none of it was by memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki the Catmaster. Oh, my one So are we going to get the line in the game? It's, uh, I'll tell you what Sweet we have. Uh, Colin Coward has that. Oh, my God. Colin Coward has it at, because uh, he picked this game, I think. Uh, i got to find it through at least. This see. is outrageous. Coward Neil. has it. Um, no, no. Donnie, Tennessee plus six. Okay. Tennessee plus six. Tennessee plus six. Who do you got? I'll take Texans. Texans uh, minus six. I'll take Tennessee. Tennessee plus six. I'll take the Texans. I'll take the Texans also. Caps, you want to throw something in there? What do you yeah, like? Yeah, I'm going to definitely throw it on the Texans. Wow. So, All right, we're wow. Right. We have to go. We got to go. Enjoy your life. <laughs>